Hi, welcome to Honest Heartline, a podcast that we talks about all things sports. This week, rather than the first seven episodes, there will be a little bit different of how we run things here uh, in the podcast. Uh, I will be na- I will be now your one and only host uh, until the end of the series. And this week will be something very interesting that I've been dying to talk about. As the world's time to open up, after uh, a few months of hibernation, as I say, sports are also essentially starting to go back up on the big screen. However, there's one sport that hasn't had you know that much attention uh, and also that much coverage since uh, the start of the whole COVID-19 situation. And now we are here um, questioning how did how did 2020 how did 2020 tennis season are going to be? Very hard to predict for sure. Uh, we only had one Grand Slam at the start of the year, the Australian Open, a handful of tennis tournaments, and now we have no idea which directions um, things are going to be. Firstly, Wimbledon has been cancelled in 2020, a very big casualty to the, the Grand Slam season. The Roland Garros, or the French Open, as they say, has been moved back to around September and October, while, U- while the US Open hasn't had any official announcement yet. And we are not sure when the US Open is going to be even kicked back. But if they should run back in around August and September, we probably expect there won't be any fans and there might be a bit of a problem of how players participate in this Grand Slam. Other than that, we will talk about players, especially the big three, three, maybe three of the greatest tennis players of all times. Roger Ferrer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic, and the apprentices that are waiting that are waiting on the wings. And today, on this podcast, well, we will have our first ever guest, Mr. Mi- Mr. Misha Broilers, all the way from California. So please enjoy our interview. Thank you. Oh, um, welcome to on the sideline. Um, today, I'm here with our guest, uh, Mr. Misha Broilers, former Knox College tennis player and uh, a very good friend of mine and also a very big tennis expert as well. So, a very interesting year for tennis, um, as we have seen through many other major sports. Um, yeah, but firstly, uh, let's talk about the Australian Open, um, the first major Grand Slam of the year. Um, what's, what was your reaction to that? Well, first off, let me say I wouldn't exactly call myself an expert on tennis, <laughs> but I would like to say that I am somewhat an avid fan. It's a very interesting outcome, to say the least. Um, to be honest, I'd actually have to see how it ended again. I honestly don't remember. Well, remember Novak Djokovic? Uh, uh, if I'm not if I'm not wrong, he beat uh, Dominic Thiem. Uh, for 17th yes. Grand Slam title. Yes, he did. And it ended up being 
a four-hour match um, being five sets. That was a very interesting. I think we, we could say that Theme came pretty close, especially this his third attempt at finals. He he was in the 2018-2019 French Open finals with Nadal, mm-hmm. but we all know how dominant Nadal is on clay court. But mm-hmm. to go toe-to-toe with Djokovic, who I would say by far has the best form of the big three so far, uh, you know, how do you see Theum, uh, you know, as a potential um, in the future? Can he be a future Grand Slam champion? I definitely think he has the potential to uh, be a Grand Slam finalist uh, and actually win. Uh, to be honest, I think he could at some point win uh, the French Open because I feel like there's a reason why they're calling him the Prince of Clay. I mean, it's just... It's, just watching anyone play on clay is so much fun, but I really enjoy watching people with one-handed backhands, especially. And that's something that I really enjoyed about Veverinka in the 2015 uh, season when he was sort of at his peak. But yeah, uh, I think it's very interesting. And to see, well, we have to, we have to say though, the big three is still the mainstay of tennis right now. They basically mm-hmm. built the foundation for how popular tennis is, um, how you know mainstream tennis now well technically it was i would say the 90s was the first era to be that with Pete Sampras right. and Andre Agassi but the big three just basically you know turn up the volume and uh you know and still like, as dominant as uh, as we see so far well it used to be the big form with Andy Murray but with injuries and stuff he's kind of dropped right. off but um how do you see the impact of the big three uh to tennis not like not only from before, but until right now as well. Well, Roger Federer in particular, he's had a very interesting career, and the fact that he's still like up there is crazy, especially with his age. And what I think is super important about that is that Roger is not just a good player, but he's very smart as well. And he knows that like since he's gotten older and isn't able to move as fast, I guess, compared to the younger players, he has been able to adapt his game so he still can like play at like the top level. And he has been also very, obviously, scientifically uh, schedule, scheduled this year as well. Because in the past few years, we have seen him basically skip the French Open on clay, which is his, I, I would say, his weakest, his weakest surface mm-hmm. of every other surface, and still seeing him very competitive. And talking about the big three, between three of them, they have... Uh, won 46 Grand Slams from two, from 2003 until now. And yeah. so now Ferrer has 20, Nadal has 19, and Djokovic has 17. In the upcoming few years, do, do you think there'll be a change uh, up top of who, of who will have the most Grand Slam? I do think so. As much as I don't want to, I do think that it's going to be a possibility because... Fed is get like getting closer and closer to that retirement age, and I do think that he's going to be like one of the oldest players to retire, like at whatever age he will. But I think it'll more just be rather than like uh, just quitting overall. I think it'll just be because his game is slowly, I guess, not getting worse, but just uh, not as he just can't keep up with like the younger mm-hmm. players. And I think they'll just slowly uh, 
drop in ranking and then at some point just play his last match kind of like uh, with Roddick because he was still at the like top 10 level when he retired. So now with Ferrer has turned Grand Slams, do you see Nadal and Djokovic both also get, uh, get into the 20 Grand Slam range? I do think that they could. I mean, one thing in particular that makes Nadal so great is just like the amount of RPMs he can get on the ball. Like it's an insane amount. He doesn't have to hit hard. Just the fact that he can put so much topspin and backspin on it. And it makes the pe- the players uh, get pushed back more so then he can create more angles. So I think that with that in mind, he'll definitely be able to stay on top and uh, possibly get the most Grand Slams. I think it's also kind of spe- spectacular because around, I'll say, three or four, four years ago, we kind of ro- written them off because of injuries. Because mm-hmm. it was at that time, uh, both Ferro and Nadal was dropping a lot in rankings, and 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 Djokovic was starting to have injuries at the same time. Also at the same time, um, Andy Murray also complained have also injury scares, which still continues to today. But it's still absolutely amazing to see uh, all three of them coming back to like two right on top on top level of tennis even though we even though we thought there'll be a change of guards of between generations um mm-hmm. and we still have to remember uh three years ago uh at melbourne the 2017 australian open finals i would say that's that would have been one of the greatest finals we have ever seen honestly yeah that's very true and i mean it's sort of since it was such a long match it also reminds me of um I don't remember who he was playing, but I believe it was with Isner. Um, that one match that ended up being like two days or something. Oh, more than uh, Isner Mahout, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, that was just crazy too. And I mean, there are just so many like spectacular shots. Like there can be compilation videos with like specific ones. In, uh, but like just the entire match was just insane. So now uh, we turn our backs into uh, Grand Slams for a bit. Um, with the whole COVID nineteen situation, there has been right. some changes in um, yeah in the Grand Slam schedule this year. Um, firstly, the French Open, which was supposed to happen around late May and early June, has now been pushed back to uh, late September and early October, and the U.S. Open still hasn't had. Um, basically an official date yet, even though like they kind of still on track to be on the same date. But right. what do you see? Because, and, and also lastly, Wimbledon for the first time being canceled in many, many years, which is a huge right. casualty. So, you know, how do you see, uh, you know, as sports is starting to, you know, get, get back on TV, get, uh, you know, as teams, as teams of players starting to, you know, uh, get, get back to training, get, um, get back to tournament. How do you see these grandstands going to work um, for the rest of the year? I think it's definitely going to be interesting because just the fact that they'll be playing at a later date may uh, change. I don't want to say the outcome, but like it's definitely going to change the attitude for every player. But it's going to be interesting also because they had all of this time to like train and prepare and it'll be interesting to see who I guess ends up being on top and seeing if the ranking like how the rankings will change. 
because everyone has so much time to prepare. And also, uh, we might even see some players dropping out as well because of travel right. restrictions at the same time as well. And if if US Open and French Open still have their dates on on track, we could be you know seeing tournaments without uh, any fans being in attendance. And also, if the French Open is only a few weeks after the US Open, we could see a very short clay season, and yeah, this could true. impact this could impact the results of the French Open uh, drastically. And um, also to an unofficial fifth Grand Slam. We have to talk about the Olympics, which has oh, been delayed. Right. Um, yeah. So it was scheduled to be in Tokyo this year, and for mm-hmm. the past two for the past two Olympics, we have seen Andy Murray dominating the competition. Um, mm-hmm. And also, interestingly, for the for the big three, they all three of them have won, have won gold. Ferro won gold in Beijing to, in twenty oh eight for right. du- for doubles with uh, Wawrinka. Um, Nadal also won the men's singles gold um, in 2008, and then Jan Djokovic, if I'm not wrong, won the 2012 mixed doubles. So, coming into competition, do you see something, you know, uh, something surprising is going to happen uh, at the Olympics if that's well, going if if that's going on 2021? Yeah, it, I feel like it partially depends on whenever it the olympics end up being because obviously it's delayed so then that's gonna affect i mean all of tennis and so if that does change the players attitudes and that might change the way they act on court possibly but um and i mean all of these younger players too have so much time to train to like watch uh other uh, like highlights of other players and then they can inf- uh, improve their t- own technique and that might cause a big shift as well. And just the fact that like the big three are getting older. So uh, let's talk about something else. Um, as we switch from the big three, we probably should talk about the new generation of players who is coming in the wings. Um, in the last few years, we have seen a lot of players um, is striving, uh, jumping to the top 10. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the most uh, dominant names that that we have mentioned before is Dominic Thiem, who is number three in the world right now. Uh, uh, Daniel Medvedev, uh, Stefano uh, Tsitsipas, uh, um, Alexander Zverev. How do you see them uh, in the upcoming few years? As well, there's the one that three? you uh, there's one that you didn't mention, but I it sort of makes sense at the same time. He's had an interesting career, Chung. Uh, oh, human, yes. He uh, made a big rise. Uh, I think part of it due to the fact that he was able to beat Djokovic a the, few times, I believe. I remember they were, it was the 2018 Australian Open. Um, Djokovic yeah. was having injuries as well. Just the fact that he was still able to, because, mm-hmm. I mean, Djokovic is, like, all around an amazing mm-hmm. athlete and just, like, every single part of his game is perfect. Because, like... Fed is an aggressive net player. Uh, Nadal, I mean, he can like get crazy angles, and just the fact that he's a lefty uh, sort of gives him uh, an advantage because then he's able to hit to every player's, well, majority of players' weaknesses. But Djokovic is just like all around a great player, and it was just sort of interesting to see Chung like beat such a great player 
and then sort of just like drop out of it everything it seems so to other names though uh we have talked about theom and he has the potential of, of uh, winning grand slams um Zverev, who has made his names winning some uh master 1000 titles but mm-hmm. hasn't been the best uh in grand slam tournaments he did for the first time made it into se- to the semi-finals of the grand slam tournament during the australian open um is this germany's next new hope well one issue I think with Zverev is that because he's young, he, and I mean, you can just see like so many times on TV, he's had like temper tantrums really. And just like his attitude on court reminds me a bit of, um, oh, why am I forgetting his name? McEnroe. McEnroe. It's just like so erratic. And um, if he's able to like fix his mindset while on court, I think he has the potential of winning a Grand Slam. So, um, talk about potential, or I'll say a bit of a wasted potential. Uh, we talk about a bit of a bad boy of tennis. Uh, I think you know who we are talking about. I'm assuming talking about Kyrgios. Yes, Nick Kyrgios. Um, very interesting career projection so far. Uh, yeah. Made his name by beating Nadal uh, at Wimbledon, uh, twenty twelve, and not wrong. Um, so. Made made some decent progress until he got so, into some problems with uh, the ACP for some interesting comments to Warinka a few years back. Um, he has That's been right, ho- yeah. he he has been hovering around uh, the top twenty and top thirty for the past few years, mm-hmm. and he has the talent um, to you know to break into the top ten. But for what sure. is go- what, but you know what? What's the bit? What's the biggest thing is going wrong for Gary Ross right now? I honestly think it's his attitude and just the fact that he just doesn't seem to care about the sport at all. I mean, he just plays it for the money and just because he knows he's good, and he just like fucks around so much. It's just I I don't want to like he's mocking the sport because he does make it entertaining to watch, but you can just tell that like at some point, that he just doesn't care. Like, he has tremendous, immense, you know, immense talents that we have seen, we have seen it displayed so far, but he just yeah. easily quit at times. There are games like mm-hmm. he just quit halfway through the game, and mm-hmm. it's just really against the spirit of the game, I'll say. And I just don't understand why Nike still is sponsoring this guy and dropping Ferrer because of that. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, it sort of seems like Nike likes to sponsor uh, people that, I guess, make some sort of statements. I mean, like with Serena, I mean, there's that mm-hmm. whole thing as well. And then jumping out of tennis, Colin Kaepernick. Um, and they just, they, just have, they just seem to have a very interesting way of advertising. Uh, and as well as just like... Uh, how they treat their sponsorships, I guess. I kind of feel the same as well. It, I think it's this point, but there's one funny takeaway for Kyrgios is he kind of, you know, brought back the underhand serve. I would say it's That's kind true. of unethical, but it's kind of fun to see, you know, how stuff are bring, you know, being brought back to tennis. Mm-hmm. And part of that too is like, it's one of his uh, better parts of his game because it's so unpredictable. Like he can hit an amazing like flat serve, just like right down the tee. 
just like it's nothing. Like there's that, uh, there's one point in particular, I honestly don't remember which game it is. He just does a hard flat serve. Um, and it like, I want to say it was barely out or something. And then just second serve, he just did the same thing and just still got an ace. Like he just has so much potential, but like it's so unpredictable as well. We we could have seen a brand new Leighton Harewood in um, in Australian tennis, but what we got was kind of disappointing, I would say. Um, now let's talk. Let's talk about about the women's tennis. Um, I'll say women's tennis is usually very unpredictable year by year. It's not as That's concrete true. solid as the men's as the men's game, but the the popularity and the unpredictable of it make it make it you know so really fun to watch. Um, Every single year, and uh, coming out of um, and we have seen r- a lot of surprising winners in the past few years. And coming back to surprising surprising winners, we have for the first time um, another name um, other than Serena for the past few years, um, Sofia Kenin, uh, who won the twenty twenty Australian Open. Is she the new hope for American tennis? I'm. I'm. Honestly, I'm not sure because an interesting thing that I found with women's tennis is that there's not too much uniqueness to their form. Most of them seem to play the same sort of game. And I think that's something that actually does make it interesting to watch because it's sort of predictable, but at the same time unpredictable because some of the newer players... uh, they have adapted their game, uh, like men's tennis, to, I guess, uh, gain some sort of advantage to the older players. But with women's tennis, just watching it, it seems like all of them, or at least most of them, seem to have the same form, and they play the same type of game. It's just like we haven't seen something odd, like, you know, Myron Bartoli with uh, her two-hand racket. Or we, we just, you know, never seen someone you know, as dominate as Serena Williams, uh, mm-hmm. as we've seen. And, to, you know, we, we have to say Serena Williams has been absolutely amazing. Still in the top mm-hmm. 10, number nine in the world. But one big question, can she break her grandson duck? That I cannot say. I think that that'll just be an interesting thing to see in the future. I think you know she she still has it, but she she needs to kind of um, I'll say find a bit of luck in some Grand Slam finals. We have seen some mm-hmm. interesting outbursts a few years ago during the U.S. Open. That was I'll say unfortunate, but yeah. yeah uh, but I I'll say is yeah like the unpredictable the un sorry the un uh, I can't even say it <laughs> the un. Um. Yeah, I think it's just like an open book for women's tennis. Like you, mm-hmm. you don't know what you you don't really know what you're gonna get for women's tennis, and right. to see and if we want to see you know, someone as dominant as Serena Williams, uh, I would say it's gonna be a once in a generation to see that one player, you know, mm-hmm. shines through uh, the whole pack. And I um, do think that Osaka has uh, potential to be the new Serena Williams because she has a better attitude on the court, as we can see from the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. But um, again, she's a younger player, and so she seems to have more agility and, I guess, possibly a different. She has like a different type of game to bring to the game. And just like a whole different mentality as well. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that is going to be a big, uh, a big part of her game as well. Just her different attitude. And what is good about the you know the rise of popularity in tennis, especially the women's game, is that we have seen uh, the prize-winning money for women's game is now tying for the men's game at some of the Grand Slams.、Um, you know, how do you see how do you see this, and you know how far you know、uh, how big of a strive. This is for is this for women's tennis. Well, I do think that in a way it can be more empowering,、uh, in a sense. And I mean, it's I think it's actually sort of possible to, that they might end up having more co-ed stuff rather than just like a few tournaments with that. I think that there might be more mixed singles as、uh, the game is slowly changing. Although.、Um, The shots may not be as powerful. I still think, and I'm saying that like women don't have that possibility. I mean, Serena, you can obviously see that like she has an incredible game, but I think that overall, it'll be interesting just to see、uh, what the outcomes will be. Talk, talking about about Serena,、uh, about also the men's and women's game as well. Uh, one name、uh, kind of makes a bit of headlines a few years ago. John McEnroe is a man of many hot takes. He's、mm-hmm. basically our Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless of te- of the tennis world. We have seen him, you know, his frequent outbursts during his、um, his playing days and his hot takes、uh, during his days as a broadcaster. And I remember around one or two years ago,、uh, McEnroe kind of、uh, upset a few people that he say that he said that Serena. If she plays in the men's game, she wouldn't even make it to the top one、um, hundred. Do you agree with him、uh, with that statement? I think I feel like just because that might be the fact that women、uh, generally, and I don't mean I don't. I'm trying to think of the words that won't be offensive, but they just don't have as much. Power. They don't put as much power on the ball. I do think that will affect the game because so many men can just like slap the ball super hard, and、um, I think that'll be a big part of it because the power just seems to be an important aspect of the game、mm-hmm. as well. And especially if if you can hit good angles and get your opponent、uh, farther back in the court, you can open up more angles and. If you can hit a hard angle, then it might be harder to、uh, return it. I guess. And we have seen, you know, this thing happened in mixed doubles, and how、mm-hmm. the some of the disparity that it is, especially the serve, because some of the men's serve, when they switch around, some of the men's serves is absolutely mental to、mm-hmm. to even return. But、um, yeah, it's it's still very interesting to see how the dynamic works. I would say it's it's a really good thing to see、uh, women's tennis having the recognition they deserves.、Mm-hmm. Um, since you know the day of Beijing King uh, beating uh, beating the shit out of、um, if I'm not、uh, Bobby Ricks, the battle of the sexes. So um, yeah, um, is you know is very encouraging to see these things happen, and you know for the future, tennis. I would say tennis is you know having a very strong growth. And、um, you know, in the upcoming few years, do you see any big changes in the tennis world? Well, it, I'm hoping that there will be a growing popularity of it.、Um, 
obviously I'm hoping that with that, it's not just going to become a popularity contest and uh, that players may thrive more on that. As we can see with Nick Kyrgios, I'm hoping that the players will still like stay true to the game. And as much as I enjoy Kyrgios, I'm hoping that there's not uh, more of them. So then the game can gain more recognition, but stay true to its traditions. We have seen, you know, some, you know, like the understand serves kind of breaks the traditions, the obviously the unwritten rules of it. Uh, Roger mm-hmm. Ferrer's saber shot. The saber shot was kind of obviously uh, controversial a few years back. Boris Becker was a big fan of it. <laughs> right. uh, especially with uh, uh, Roger's defense on uh, Djokovic. But I'll say, very interesting. And one last question. Um, as we talk a lot about the big four, it used to be the oh sorry. As we talk a lot about the big three, it used to be the big four. And one other person that we left out for most of the story today is Andy Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, very, I'll say, very unfortunate career. Um, like in the shadow, in the shadow of Ferrer, of Nadal, and of Djokovic, and but at, at least he still made a great name for himself. Won two Wimbledon, mm-hmm. uh, two Olympic gold medals at the same time. Um, right. being knighthood by the Queen as well, which is a big honor. Um, and also just slightly came back from uh, uh from him from his injuries. Um, can you see you know Murray coming back to the top level? Um, or or he's or he's kind of slightly struggle in the in the next few years. As much as I would love to see him, uh, come back up, it's also uh you have to put into account the fact that like the younger players are changing the game they're faster and Murray's like around the same age as the big three and with that I don't feel like his game will be able to match the game of the younger players and although he was a great player I think that he will if he does uh, like gain some sort of uh, not exactly more recognition, but uh, more relevance to the sport, I guess. It'll be not as great as he was in his prime. And uh, just one one quick last look. Of all the young talents we have talked about today, who do you think will be the first one to clinch a Grand Slam? I mean, he's one of my favorite players right now. I'm a huge fan of the one-handed backhand, but team... 100 percent he's he's one of the like greatest young players again he has the title of the prince of clay and so that makes me think although his game is like very different from nadal i think he has the potential to become the new king of clay and that'll be very important to uh winning a bunch of titles and winning uh the roland garros i agree as well um he to me he's kind of the debug version of Grigor Dimitrov. I mm-hmm. I was a very big fan of Dimitrov, but he's kind of fell the cliff cliff for the past few years. Many, a little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's very unfortunate, you know, how much attention he got and how much he they people call him the next Ferrer. Unfortunately, that did, that kind of did not happen until now. But yeah, uh, so thank you so much for for doing the podcast today. Uh, thank you for having and, me. Yeah, and. Uh,